overcome it after hey amud bet risk and responsibility mamona kakofa the whole idea of responsibility is important to understand in order to understand this piece of gemara but particularly the relationship of responsibility to risk if i say to somebody you are responsible for this this is your responsibility there has to be some level of risk in that in other words i'm transferring the risk to you by saying you are responsible what does that mean? It's not just giving you a job of work to do. That's not really a responsibility. If I give you the job of work to do, you're not responsible for the outcome. You've just got to do the work. We've talked quite a lot about this recently, the difference between employing somebody for labor and employing somebody for outcome. If I make somebody responsible for outcome, there's some risk involved. If they don't achieve the outcome, they don't get paid. And that ownership of risk is an incredibly important part of accountability when it comes to risk. And when you transfer risk, the, what you're transferring is the, the accountability. And the f- financial value, the economic cost and value of risk and the adoption of risk and the transfer of risk is an important idea to understand in this piece of Gomorrah. This is something that whenever we pay insurance, that's what we're doing. We're transferring the risk to the insurance company. If something happens, I get paid irrespective, and I'm not holding the risk. The insurance company is holding the risk. If the insurance company reinsures, then they're passing the risk on to a, a, a different company. So risk is something in, in modern finance. We know, we know that we can move risk around. We can, tra- we can trade risk. We can move risk. And that's an important lens with which to understand this piece of Gomorrah. We've been dealing with the parasha at the end of, of Vayikra, fifth chapter of the book of Vayikra, where we're looking at Asham Gzela, the fact that if a person not only steals, but under oath denies having stolen, and therefore betrays the trust of the owner of the property, betrays the trust, as we learned yesterday, not just by the act of stealing, but more so by the act of the shvur, then not only does he have to return the money with an extra 20%, in addition to that, he has to go through the process of a korban asham in the Beit HaMikdash, otherwise he doesn't have kapara. And we had this, this furnu pointed out from the Gemara further on, that you can't begin the Beit HaMikdash process, you can't begin the ritual process unless you've completed the economic process of returning the money and uh, somehow appeasing the person who you, whose trust you betrayed. The Rambam says, just introducing and framing what we're learning, What is the din? Summarizing the halachot that we already know. If I've stolen something and there's no change in the object, the object I stole is still the object as it is in my possession, no matter what, what then happens, if I want to do tshuva, I want to repent and return the, the property, I return it as it is. Irrespective of whether its value has gone up or its value has gone down, I return it as, as it is. But if there has been a shinui, something has changed. The object I now possess, the object in my possession is not the same object as the one that I stole. I've improved it, I've changed it. I, the thief, have acquired the rights of ownership to this changed object, and I've got to pay the owner, I've got to compensate the owner for the value of what I stole from him. How much do I have to pay him? What it was worth at the time of the theft. So if there's been a fluctuation in market, in, in the market, I pay him as it was then, not as it is now. And that still means I'm still doing the owner out of something. Imagine if, if it's gone up in value, 
So when I stole it, it was worth a thousand. Now it's worth fifteen hundred. I only give him a thousand, so I'm actually doing him out of another five hundred. That's gromo. That's indirect damage, and morally I should compensate him for that, but I don't have to compensate him legally in a court of law. Rava asks a fascinating question: Gazal chametz va'avar alava pesach. A person stole chametz a few days before Pesach. And when you think of stealing chametz, don't think of a loaf of bread. Think of a hundred cases of 25-year-old McCullens. Okay, that's what he stole. And he stole it out of Pesach. Pesach comes and Pesach goes. They have no value. They have no worth. They are subahana. So he's robbed the owner of the value of the McCullens, even though the, the, the 20 boxes or 20 crates are still standing there. What's the din? Says the Gemara, quoting back from, based on the Mishnah on Daftzadi Gimel, I think it was, that Gazal Chametz Vavalav Pesach Omelo Areshel Chalufanecha. Gemara says on on Daftzadi Vav, this din based on the Mishnah on Sadi Gimel. He says, here's your here are your crates. Not my business whether it's worth anything or it's not worth anything. I took twenty crates of McCallan's twenty five year old. Here they are, the exact crates I took. Nothing's changed, and I would like to return them to you. And he says, but they're worth nothing to me. So I'm sorry about that. What can I do? That's the din. Boy, Rova. But Rova asks an interesting question. Nishba alav. What happens if the owner of the McCallans accuses me of stealing them? I deny. And I make a shvur. And now I want to do tshuva. I took an oath. So what's the din now? I have to return the, the, the property. I've got to add 20%. And I've got to bring a korban asham. But says Rova, that's only if I've really abused his trust in an area where I, I've, I've caused a loss of money. But here, because what, there's no longer any value to what I stole, what, what am I going to return? What I'm returning is not of value. What, what is the din that we learned in the Posuk? And we learned it in all the Gemara. The first one is, he's got to give back the money and he's got to pay and then you bring a korban. But here there's nothing to pay. I'm giving you the value of the whiskey, but it's not worth anything. There is, but there is a financial implication to what he's done. In other words, does his denial cost, cost him money? He's denying already on Pesach. Let us say it's during Pesach. It's already worth nothing. At the time that it's worth nothing, he's denying that he stole it. He makes a shvur that he, that he didn't steal it. Then he wants to return it and he wants to do tshuva. But what he's returning is worth nothing. Do we say that he has denied certain financial responsibility? What happens? Because if he says, true, this is, this is worth nothing. But what would have happened if this worth nothing thing, these 20 cases of 25-year-old McCallum, worth nothing, if they're stolen before he has a chance to return them? What is the din? What did the Rambam say? The only time you can return the object as is, is if the object is intact. But if the object is no longer intact, you've got to pay. How much do you have to pay? Kish'at ha So if the 20 cases of McCallans were worth $50,000, I don't know what the calculation is, but whatever it is, if it was worth $50,000 or a whole lot more, he has to pay $50,000 even though it's worth nothing now. Because that's kish'at ha The truth is it wasn't stolen. I'm returning them. It's a little bit of a complicated situation. Again, I stole 20 cases of McCallans before Pesach. Pesach comes, they're now worth nothing. I then am accused of stealing them. I deny stealing them. I take a shvur. I swear that I didn't steal them. 
is that oath getting me out of anything? Because what happens if I didn't make the oath? I just give it back to him and it's worth nothing. So, so what is the oath actually robbing him of? Says Rava, it's robbing him of my assumption of risk. Because if it would have been stolen, I would have had to return the full value of the mechanics. It wasn't stolen, but, the, 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 but risk is always, that's what risk means, if it would have. So you can say, yeah, but it, but it wasn't. Yes, but risk, owning risk has a value. So if the fact is that if I were, that, that if it were stolen, even though it's worth nothing now, if it were stolen, I would have had to pay $50,000. Therefore, my, my oath has actually robbed the owner of that peace of mind that the risk has been transferred. Or do I say, no, there's no real money that, that's involved. The fact is it's worth nothing. There's no real money. The Gemara then says, Something that Rava agonized about, his Rebbe, Rabba, had already worked out before. There's an answer to this question. Because Rabba said, Rabba, an interesting case. Shoriga, I'm just going to do the first paragraph of, of that case because the others are just wider examples of the same principle. Shoriga Navta. A man comes into my property and he says, that ox there, that's mine. You stole it from me. I've been looking for it for weeks. I would never have stolen your ox from you. Oh, really, you say? So what's my ox doing in your yard? Don't you remember you asked me to take care of your, of your ox? You asked me to take care of your ox for a few weeks and I've been taking care of it. You're welcome to take it. In a case like that, if he were to have made an oath that he did not steal it. And then he wanted to do tshuva. He would, but the, the, ox, the ox is still there, so he gives back the ox. That's not a problem. You can, he can add on the 20%. That's not a problem. Does he still have to be a korban Hashem? Because what was he getting out of? He never denied that the ox was the owner's. He never intended to keep the ox. And so, so he's actually, his kfirah, his denial, didn't, wasn't going to cost the owner anything. So is this a proper kfirat mamon? Because he's now saying, I'm not a ganav, I'm not a thief, I'm a shomer, I'm a trustee. What's the difference? If I'm a thief, I would have had to compensate you in full. If the ox would have been stolen, I would have had to repay you the value of the ox as it was at the time I stole it. And if I'm a shomer chinam, if it would have been stolen, I would have been free. If I'm a trustee, looking after it for you, I would not have had to pay you if it was stolen. That's not part of the responsibility and the risk that I took on. So here we see the same case. Uh, what would be if? Since if it would be stolen, I would have been patur as a shomer, but chayav as a ganav. I would have been free of payment of obligation if I were a, a trustee, but I would be obligated to pay if I was a ganav. And I'm claiming I'm not a thief, I'm a trustee. I'm actually doing you out of the ownership of risk that I really took as a ganav, and I'm denying that. I'm denying my responsibility. That's an enormous chidush in Rabba. That denying responsibility, even if it doesn't land up costing anything, I'm just denying ownership of risk because that's what responsibility means. And that's what accountability means. It means owning risk. And if I deny, if there was risk that I did own and I deny having owned that risk, says Rabba, that's Kfirat Mamon. That's enough to be considered into this, to fit into this parasha. And therefore, I have to not only return the money, but I also have to do a, bring a Korban Hashem and the, whole, and the whole issue. 
ורמב״ם says, גזל חמץ ועבר עליו הפסח, אומר, הרי שלך לפניך הוא מחזיר אותה בעצמה. You can just return the חומץ as it is. במה דברים אמורים, he says, but where does the supply when it's still there? But if it's no longer there, חייב להחזיר לו דמיה כשעת הגזלה, but if it's changed, then he's going to pay the value of the object at the time of the gzela. לפיכך, אם כפר בו, אחר שנסרה בענה, therefore, if after Pesach came in, he denied the owning the risk, חייב לשלם קרן וחומש ואשם. He has to pay the principal, he has to pay an extra 20%, and he has to pay, and he has to bring a korban asham. The whole thing applies in this case of stealing chomets before Pesach, although the chomets has no value anymore. The riff leaves this din out altogether. The Rosh mentions it and the Rambam mentions it. The riff we know doesn't paskin halachot that don't apply today, after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. So the, the riff leaves this halacha out, asks the Mishnah of the Melech, really, why does, why does he leave it out? Because there is a financial responsibility. I understand that he can't bring the Korban Hashem, but he does have to return the property and, and pay the extra 20% that he has to do. The financial responsibility surely applies today, is what the, the Mishnah of the Melech, the beautiful long Mishnah of the Melech, the Mishnah of the Melech was one of the early commentators on the Rambam, 17th century, he was a big time Chacham in, in Turkey, at the time, and writes this important parish on the Rambam. And here is a long essay of the Mishnah Lamelech on this particular Rambam. And he suggests the following. He, what he tries to do is to bifurcate the situation here and to say, there are two things going on. I have a financial obligation to return the money and pay an extra 20%. And there's the ritual side. I've got a korban Hashem, I've got to bring a korban. The, the korban side, the ritual side doesn't apply today, but the financial side does. That's why the Rambam says, he brings it, he says, you've got to pay the money. But he says maybe what Rabbi is suggesting is that the financial side doesn't apply at all because from a financial perspective, the din is that you can return the property as it is. That's where Rava starts from. If you stole Chomets and, and the Tzavar Alava Pesach, you stole, leave aside the Korban and the Shavuah. You stole the Mekalans whiskey. Pesach comes in. It's now worth nothing. Do you have to pay what it was worth or do you pay, give it back as it is? Since it hasn't changed, it's still intact. The Gemara says, Rav says, you give it back, as it is. In that case, says the, says the Mishnah of Melech, maybe there are two different things going on here. As far as the financial obligation is concerned, you just give it back as it is. That's the, the halakha. Now, the question is, do you have to bring a korban as well? No, that's, that's what Rav is asking. Do I have to bring a korban or not? What I've denied is my responsibility. I've denied owning the risk. Is denying owning the risk enough of a betrayal of trust to require a korban asham? But the money you pay in any case, or do you say, no, the two are linked. If there's no korban asham, there's no money. If there's no money, there's no korban asham. The two are properly linked. And he wants to suggest that the reef holds that the, that the money, you just give the, the, property, the property back, so there's no financial implication because it's worth nothing. And the korban can't be done because there's no besamikta, so it's irrelevant. This halakha is not relevant today, which is very difficult because then we would be pitting the, the, the reef against the rambam. And there are very few cases where the Rif and the Rambam are cholek. The, Rif, the Rambam regards the Rif as his Rebbe, his Rebbe, and he follows the, the method of the Rif, and it's very seldom the Rambam counts the times that he disagrees with the Rif, and this is not one of them. So the Mishnah of Melech is difficult. So I want to suggest to you the understanding in the, in the following way. What we're looking at here is it's based on the Sforna that we learned yesterday. If you look at the first page of the sources, at the bottom of the Chumash, I bring the Sforna. So he says, A Korban can't work unless you've been mefayes, you have appeased the Nizak. What I want to suggest to you is 
that the law of repaying the money in this parasha, in this law, I deny having the money. I take a shua that I didn't have the money. I swear. I then want to do tshuva. This whole parasha, so what is the first thing I've got to do, says the Torah? I've got to return the money. Explains this formula based on the Gomorrah and Dafkafiud. Without returning the money, there's no korban, there's no atonement, there's nothing. You've got to return the money. Returning the money is not a financial obligation. Returning the money is not laws in the zikim. Returning the money is a condition of the korban. You can't bring this korban without returning the money. It's Allah ilchot korbanot. This is about the korban asham. You can't bring the korban asham unless you return the money. But it's not a financial obligation. It's an obligation to shamayim. It's an obligation in, in one's temple service. So the reef who doesn't bring any laws relating to the korbanot says this is a law of korbanot. This doesn't apply here. It's whether he has to pay, whether the, the, the whiskey has any value or doesn't have any value. Since there's no korban asham, the appeasement of the owner doesn't, doesn't apply because you're not appeasing him in any case. If you're going to say that you can say, that, that you can just take the whiskey, you can separate it out, as the Mishnah Melech wants to say, that's not appeasement. Yes, you're technically fulfilling your obligation to return lost property, but in this case, it's not about returning lost property, it's about appeasement. And unless you pay the full value of the, of the whiskey you stole, you're not appeasing anybody. Says the Rif, but appeasement doesn't apply here because you're not bringing a korban in any case. So this whole piece of Gomorrah doesn't apply today, according to the Rif. The way the Rambam learns and the way the Rosh learns, uh, the two are absolutely linked. And, and the Rambam, of course, Paskin Salachot that apply, that don't apply today as well. So we would learn that as, as both according to the Rambam and the Rif, that there would be no machloket here. The only question is whether it applies today or it doesn't apply today. But clearly the halacha would still be based on the Sforno, that this halacha that you've got to repay the, the owner for the, the money. So again, you've stolen the money, you've stolen the whiskey out of Pesach. Pesach comes, the whiskey now has lost its value completely. You want to do, you take a shvur, you say, I never stole it. You want to do tshuva. Now what do you have to do? Two things. You, really what you have to do is bring a korban Hashem, but you can't bring a korban Hashem if you haven't appeased the owner. To appease the owner, you would have to pay the full amount. Because this is about appeasement. This does not fit into the law that Rava starts off with. When Rava says, if you steal something before Pesach, you give it back to him and finish. That's in the laws of returning stolen property. But in the laws that we're dealing with, this is the laws of Korban Hashem. And in the laws of Korban Hashem, the Korban doesn't work. The, the sacrifice, the Korban Hashem doesn't work. If you haven't appeased, you can't appease him by just giving him back worthless whiskey. The only way to appease him is to pay him in full, which is why the Rambam says in this particular case, Chayav l'shalem keren v'chomesh v'asham. You've got to pay it back in full. Even though it's worth nothing, at the time you've got to pay it back in full because unless you've appeased the owner, you can't begin the process of atonement, you can't bring a korban asham. Since the payment in full is appeasement, which is a condition of the sacrifice of Hashem, which brings about the full atonement, says the Rif, the whole thing doesn't apply today, therefore the Rif doesn't pass in it, but the Rambam does. But the important thing that we learn for our purposes here is to understand the linkage between risk and accountability, and responsibility means I'm taking upon myself risk, I will be responsible if things go wrong. That's what responsibility is. If I take responsibility or I give responsibility, always ask yourself, what is the financial implication of this risk? Because if there's no financial implication, it isn't risk. And if it isn't risk, it isn't responsibility and it isn't accountability.